Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and this week's show and focus vehicle literally landed on my doorstep when Mother Nature tried to destroy three of our cars. I call it the driveway apocalypse, which sounds bad, and it was, but this story also has a silver lining and maybe a life lesson for how we should treat our fellow humans. I'll tell you all about that and how it led to this week's Better Than New Focus Vehicle in just a moment. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. So I'm mostly an optimist when it comes to humanity. I believe, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, that most people are good and that good things will come to you with hard work and perseverance. And like many of you, I was thinking that 2023 was definitely going to be, in general, a better year than the last few years have been. I mean, we've had the pandemic, we've had war, we've had inflation, it's been crazy. But I thought, you know, 2023 is going to be better. However, my optimism was severely tested early on Monday morning this week when a freak windstorm sheared off the top half of a tree and smashed down on three of our cars. That's the driveway apocalypse. So here's what happened. I woke up Monday morning. I remember hearing the sound of wind howling outside, and I, I was thinking, wait a minute, is there supposed to be a windstorm today? I don't remember any wind in the weather forecast. So I go to my phone, you know, I'm kind of groggy, checking the phone. I'm looking for local weather, and it says winds are going to be about 10 miles per hour, and they're going to die down later. I'm thinking, this isn't 10 miles an hour. This is like 30 miles an hour, maybe more. Anyway, I think, well, maybe I'm just dreaming. I kind of get up, get my clothes on, I go downstairs, I grab a cup of coffee, I look out the window, and sure enough, I mean, the trees are just like blowing from side to side, the bushes in the yard are moving all around, back and forth, and I was thinking, this is bad. We've got a bunch of fir trees in our backyard that are tall. We're talking, I don't know, 80 feet, 90 feet, they're big. And I thought, okay, one of these things is going to come down, or at least some branches are going to come down. Well, this 30, 35 mile an hour wind gust starts to pick up even more. I think it got up to maybe 50 or 60, and it starts to sound almost like a freight train. And there's no freight trains where we live. So I'm looking out the window thinking, okay, picking the tree. Which one's it going to be? Which one's going to break? And then there was this huge gust. Again, I have no idea how windy it really was and what the wind speed was, but it was big. It felt like some giant was holding both ends of our house and slowly twisting it. You could just kind of feel things creaking. And I thought, okay, this is it. And then nothing happened until I heard the scream from the front of the house, which is my wife yelling, oh my God, a tree just fell on the cars. And I was like, ah, oh, sugar. Okay, I look out the front door, and sure enough, it's just nothing but green. There's this huge, you know, foot and a half, maybe two foot diameter trunk of a tree sticking out, and I can see just barely the front of my Audi wagon. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, wait a minute, where did this tree come from? Because the tree in our front yard is still there. It's a fir tree. I don't know, it's probably, again, like 80 feet tall. And I said to my wife, I said, he said the tree broke from the front. I said, but the tree's right there. She goes, no, it broke off above, like half the tree broke off. So I kind of crouched down and I look up. Sure enough, it just snapped the tree off and it went across, all the way across our driveway, across about a 15-foot strip of you know property gap, and then across my neighbor's driveway, which is two cars wide. I mean, it's a huge piece of tree. 
But the big end was on our side, and it came down behind our Audi and our Toyota and in front of my kid's Honda Accord. <sighs> All right. <laughs> so my wife's like, oh, my God, what are you going to do? And I look at her. I look back outside. I look at my cup of coffee, and I said, I'm going to go back in the kitchen. I'm going to finish my coffee. I'm going to make breakfast, and I'm going to think about what I'm going to do. What's my next move? She's like, really? She goes, normally you'd be freaking out right now. I said, I know, but the cars are already wrecked. It's like crazy windy outside. I'm not going to go out and, you know, check it out. I'm just going to wait till the wind dies down. So I go back in the kitchen, have my coffee, have breakfast. Finally, it's like 8 o'clock, and I get on the phone with the insurance company. And, of course, they're no help, so I'm not happy about that. And I'm like, I'll call you back. I hear, in the meantime, I hear somebody at the front door. My wife's talking to what sounds like a couple of neighbors, and then she's talking to some third guy. I don't know who this is. So after the door closes, I go up front. I'm like, hey, what was that all about? She goes, well, uh, Dave and Manny, a couple of neighbors, came by and said, hey, we've got chainsaws. We can help you know, cut your car free. I said, well, who's this other guy? She's like, ah, he's some tree guy. He was just driving by, and he wants to give you a bid. Okay. So I go outside, and all three of them are still standing there. Dave and Manny are, like, super excited. We get to use our chainsaws. Yay. And this other guy, I forget his name, but he hands me his card. It's like, hey, I can take all this down for you. It'll be $1,800 or $2,000 or something. I got a crew in the neighborhood. We're working on another tree. I'm thinking, you know what, I, I have no idea what I want to do with the tree in terms of spending money. But I sent him on his way. I took his card and I talked to David Manning. And they're like, yeah, we can cut this, you know, we can cut this away and get your cars out. I said, well, my only concern is I don't want you guys to get hurt. I don't want to hurt myself. That's a big chunk of tree. And once we cut the branches away, it's going to want to come down. It's going to want to roll a bit because our driveway is, you know, kind of steep. I don't want to do more damage. They said, look, we feel pretty confident. We can cut all this stuff away and at least get to the point where you can see the car, see the damage. Then we can assess if we need to, you know, you need to call in the cavalry. Okay, fine. So we do that. These guys show up with their chainsaws. My son and I come out. They cut off branches. We're pulling them away. We clear off the neighbor's driveway. In the meantime, actually, my neighbor, Christian, who lives just north of us, he was great. He would came over and checked on us, said, hey, you guys doing okay? Like, yeah, we're fine. And he cut his way own way out of the driveway. He didn't even wait for us. So he was super cool about the whole thing. He's like, oh, don't worry about the yard. We'll deal with it later. It's like, okay, thank you. And in the meantime, more people are coming by. Like, hey, can we help you? Do you need something? I got a call from a couple other neighbors. You know, one guy, hey, I got a chainsaw. I can come down and help you. You know, somebody else is like, hey, if you know, need a ride somewhere to pick up stuff, I can help. I'm like, wow, this is great. Thank you. But uh, I think we're just going to kind of cut our way out here and see what happens. Well, we get all the branches cut away. We free up the Honda Accord, which, of course, you know, it's the cheapest car. This is the car that I mentioned that got stolen several episodes back, and then we got it returned to us. Okay, this is the car with the least damage, of course, right? So I get that thing out of the driveway. But we still have this problem of this huge 60-foot-long tree trunk that's stuck over the cars. So right about then, this huge truck drives by, stops, and then backs up a little bit, and the guy rolls the window down. He goes, hey, I got a crane here. You guys want me to lift that log off the top of those cars? Set it free? And I'm like, is this a trick question? Of course. <laughs> so literally, this guy with a giant crane, random crane guy, just happens to be driving by. He was taking some roofing material to a neighbor's house who's putting a new roof on. He just delivered it. He had about 45 minutes to an hour of open time in his schedule, and he decided, I'm going to help these guys move the tree. 
So he puts a couple of big straps around the tree. We hook it up to the crane. And this is one of those cranes that kind of telescopes out. So it's perfect for this. It's got a big platform that kind of locks it down so it won't tip over. It's amazing. Anyway, he hooks it up to that, lifts it up, pulls it off the cars without doing any damage. The boys, Manny, Dave, able to cut off all the remaining branches. So now we have this long log. Looks like it should be on the back of a logging truck or something. He's like, hey, I can pick it up, swing it 90 degrees, lay it down your driveway so it's easier to cut up. So we put some rounds down. He does that, sets it down. And I'm like, hey, can I pay you? Can I, can I do something for you? I really appreciate this. He's like, you know what? He goes, last week was terrible for me. I had a really bad week. And I'm just looking for some good karma and you needed a favor. So here I am. I don't want anything. Just hope your day gets better. I'm like, thank you, random crane guy. What an amazing guy. Just super cool about the whole thing. And he had the perfect crane for the job. I mean, is this supposed to happen? I don't know. I mean, the tree coming down was terrible. So that's that's the bad part. But the fact that all these people came together, and it's not the end of the story. So he goes on his way. In the meantime, Manny and Dave kind of wrap up what they're doing. Um, I've got these tree rounds, and I'm just kind of rolling them off to the side of the driveway. So the driveway's pretty clean. But then my neighbor Chris drives by and he says, hey, I can go get my chainsaw. We can cut up all these branches you pulled down and then we can put them in the back of my utility trailer and take them off to the dump. Okay, well, let's do it. So Chris goes and gets his trailer. My son and I, you know, help him cut stuff up. We put it in the back of the trailer. We go to the dump. We dump that stuff. And then when we get back, it's probably about 3.30 or 4 o'clock. Uh, it's raining pretty hard at this point. And it's sort of like... You know, I, th I think I'm kind of done for the day. You know, appreciate your help. Thank you so much. It's been great. And everybody really have been fantastic. But I still had some calls to insurance to make and a few other things. And earlier in the day, I'd sent a text to my neighbor across the street, Mark, with a picture of the house with the tree down. And I said, hey, buddy, you, you left too early. You missed all the fun. And he writes back. He goes, he goes, oh, my God. He goes, are you guys OK? It's like, yeah, we're fine. Just, you know, smashed up a couple of the cars. Kind of a mess. He goes, you know, I have this extra car. I've got the Xterra. If you want to drive it while your cars are being fixed, just let me know. And I'm like, well, I'm probably going to get a rental car eventually. I have that insurance coverage. But initially, I might need something to drive for, you know, the next few days or a week or whatever. He goes, hey, I'll drop off the keys when I get home. And this is where the vehicle for this week's episode comes from. I was not planning to do a piece on the Xterra. I mean, eventually I was going to cover the Xterra because I like it and it's on, it was on my list for 2023. But, you know, when you think about it, the way 2023 is starting off, the way 2022 ended, you go around the U.S. and you've got crazy rain and flooding and landslides and stuff in California. You have our nutty wind event up here in the Northwest, not to mention other weather that we've had. The East Coast has been under feet of snow in upstate New York and other parts of the country. All kinds of stuff. So maybe 2023 might be the year of the rough and tumble SUV to get you through the apocalypse, <laughs> the driveway apocalypse in my case, or the zombie apocalypse or whatever in your case, right? It's starting out to be kind of a crazy year. So maybe this is the year of the SUV. And that brings me to the Nissan Xterra. And for this particular episode, I want to talk about the second generation Xterra. This is the Nissan Xterra sold in the U.S. for model years 2005 through 2015. Now, before we jump into that, we do need to talk about the first-gen Xterra sold from model years 2000 through 2004. 
Now, by the late 1990s, SUVs were getting a little bit soft and a lot more expensive, so Nissan saw an opportunity to build a four-wheel drive vehicle targeted towards younger outdoor enthusiasts who wanted an affordable, yet rugged, body-on-frame SUV that could take them into the backcountry on the weekend, then drive them to work on Monday morning, all while offering up just enough amenities to keep them happy while doing both. And that vehicle was the first-generation Nissan Xterra. Now, Nissan truly hit the mark with the Xterra, and it was a big hit with outdoor enthusiasts, really of any age. In its first year of production, it was named Motor Trend's Sport Utility Vehicle of the Year, and it featured rugged, attractive, no-frills styling that still looks good today. With its body-on-frame design, it also offered up solid off-road capability, and drivers had a choice of either a four-cylinder or a six-cylinder engine. Now, the 2.4-liter four-cylinder made 143 horsepower, which, you know, is just kind of barely adequate. And the 3.3-liter six-cylinder made 170 horsepower and 200 pound-feet of torque, and that number was bumped up to 180 horsepower in 2003. The first-gen Xterra was available in two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive with an automatic or a manual transmission. And while the styling and capability of that first-gen Xterra definitely hit the mark, the power served up, even by the six-cylinder engine, was just adequate. So an upgrade was definitely in store for the Xterra. And that brings me to the second-generation Xterra, which is the vehicle we're going to talk about today. So the second-gen Xterra continued to be an affordable SUV that came with everything you need, but nothing you didn't. The styling was already appealing, so Nissan didn't change much. They just enhanced it a bit, so the second-gen Xterra had that rugged good looks of the original that I think is still really attractive today. It's larger in every dimension than the first generation, but in a good way, and it's considerably more powerful. Yet it's still targeted towards outdoor enthusiasts, keeping with the character, affordability, and solid on- and off-road driving dynamics that defined the first-generation Xterra. Built on Nissan's sturdy F-Alpha platform used in the Frontier and Titan pickups, this body-on-frame SUV is more rigid, which enhances both on- and off-road capability, while also providing a bit more room for people and gear inside. On the engine side, the four-cylinder option was dropped, and the six-cylinder engine, the only engine available, was now larger and more powerful. Now, this new VQ Series engine is similar to the 3.5-liter motor in the 350Z, However, it had a longer stroke to make it 4 liters in displacement, delivering more low-end power and torque, which is better suited to an SUV. Now, the horsepower was rated at 265, and the torque was rated at 284 pound-feet initially, but SAE, or the Society of American Engineers, revamped their power certification process, so the rating changed to 261 horsepower and 281 pound-feet of torque in the 2007 model year, but... The cars basically made the same amount of horsepower in every year. Now, I really like how this engine performs, and the power is more than adequate in the second-gen Nissan Xterra. So if you're looking for an SUV, here are some reasons why you might want to get a second-gen Xterra. First of all, it has rugged good looks that are as appealing today as they were when it was new. It has styling that looks great, but doesn't try too hard like so many new SUVs. There are no bad angles on this thing. Frankly, it looks good from any direction. I also love the flared fenders, the locking storage rack compartment on top, the footholds at the corner of the rear bumpers so you can more easily reach the top rack, 
along with the knockout in the rear door where the first aid kit attaches on the inside. Just a bunch of cool features that come in the car. Now inside, everything is made to appear, or to literally be, rugged. It's got a large, thick rim steering wheel. It's got a kind of a chunky shift lever for the automatic transmission. And it's got a rear brake lever right between the two front seats where the car gods intended. It's a perfect spot. And finally, hard plastics have a home. Now, you might think that's crazy, but hard plastics inside the Xterra really don't seem out of place in this vehicle. You know, it's an affordable, outdoor-oriented SUV. In fact, hard plastics seem just about right. So, I'd say it's perfect. Okay, so what else makes the second-generation Xterra great? Well, in a world filled with car-based SUVs trying to be something they're not, namely an off-road vehicle, the Xterra was always an SUV that wasn't trying to be something else. It was just an honest interpretation of what early SUVs were intended to be. It's an SUV with classic attributes like a body-on-frame design and part-time four-wheel drive with a two-speed transfer case that delivers literally everything you need to go on an adventure far off the beaten path especially with the locking rear differential found on either the off-road model, which was available from 2005 through 2010, or the Pro 4X model in the 2011 through 2015 model year Xterras. But it also offers excellent on-road driving capabilities. First of all, it's light on its feet for a heavy body-on-frame truck-based SUV. It also offers great steering. It's easy to place it where you want to go on a winding road. And while it's no sports car, it does handle well for what it is, and it's relatively smooth riding for a truck-based SUV, which is impressive. Now, personally, I love the brakes on the Xterra. They had a really progressive pedal feel. They slow the thing down with authority, even on a downhill windy road. Now, in a couple of early road tests of the Xterra, they said that the brakes were a little bit on the soft side. They weren't that great. So this was a 2011 that I drove, so maybe they just improved the brakes over time. But in either case, they seem to work great for me. I liked them. Also, the Xterra offers excellent visibility out the front window. It's got low-cut side windows and a big windshield. And those low-cut windows really make a big difference. A lot of new SUVs, a lot of new cars, frankly, any vehicle, are just these tiny tank slots. You know, maybe it's for side impact protection. Maybe it's just a styling thing. I don't know. But you can't see out of it. It's hard. But the Nissan Xterra, no, you can see out easily. So it offers great visibility from the front seat, and it passed the initial climb-in and sit-down test with my wife, who is like 5'1". She's not very tall. And she got in and she said, you know, I really like this thing. And that's an important thing because it looks like we're going to be back in the market looking for some sort of SUV. So this might actually be on the list. Hmm, who knows? She liked it better than her 2009 Toyota Highlander. And she liked the Highlander, so that's saying something. So just FYI. Now, on that note, there's also excellent outward visibility for rear passengers as well. And the reason for that is the Nissan Xterra comes with what they call stadium seating, meaning the rear seats are three or four inches higher. The base is higher than the front seats. So you've got this kind of commanding view out the back towards the front windshield and out the side windows. It's really nice. Think about this. If you're going to go out in the world to see nature, you want to be able to see out the window while you're driving there. I certainly want my kids to look out the window while we're driving someplace. I don't want them to have their face buried in their iPhone or something else, right? The Xterra gives you that opportunity. Lots of window, lots of good views from the front or the back. Okay, 
Now, no car is perfect, and the Xterra falls into that category. It's not perfect. So let's talk a little bit about what's not so great about the second-generation Nissan Xterra. So if you're looking for a car-based SUV, one that has unibody construction, one that's, you know, really more like a lifted car than a tall off-road SUV, well, this is not a car-based SUV. This isn't what you're looking for. It's a great off-road SUV, but it's not a car. So if you're looking for that, this isn't it. You know, that said, if you want to drive it like, say, a Porsche Cayenne, it's going to start screaming, hey, I'm a truck, man, come on, stop it, when you really start to push, okay? So it's not a car. Now, like I said earlier, I think the second generation Xterra makes a great rig for both city and back road driving, but I think you should really take one for an extended test drive if you're not sure, especially on pavement. You know, drive it on the freeway, drive it on some city streets, drive it on some back roads, take it into a parking lot, you know, park it a few times at the grocery store. Just get a sense for how it's going to work in all these different environments, the real world sort of environment where you're going to drive it, okay? Now, the second gen Nissan Xterra is also more analog than many people want. So inside, you're going to find things like really basic heating, ventilation, and air conditioning controls. There's no touch screen. There's no backup camera. There's no proximity sensors, you know, a little beeper when you're backing up towards something. There's none of that stuff. There's no driving nannies. There's not going to be, you know, automatic braking or lane departure control or whatever they call it. Honestly, if you're paying attention, you don't need that stuff. But if you're the type of person who wants to text while you drive, and I see people like that every day, <laughs> I'm sure you do too, you know, you're not going to find those nannies that will save your life in a second-gen Nissan Xterra. Now, another minor issue, at least for me, is that the headlights on the Xterra really aren't awesome. Now, they're not bad, but they're just not awesome. Now, they kind of remind me of the headlights in our 2005 Honda Pilot. We were always sort of griping about those, and I upgraded the bulbs a few times, and, you know, they just burn out more often. They were a little bit brighter, but it wasn't like, oh my god, completely different car now. No, they were just adequate. And unlike many new cars with headlights that are overly bright, frankly, in all the wrong ways, like they're, you know, they aim too high or whatever, I think this particular vehicle would be a candidate for fog lights or an upgrade to the headlights, one of the two. Now, you could get fog lights on some versions of the Xterra, so, you know, you might look for that. I think that's probably worth it, but if not, I think a lighting upgrade's in order. That's just my personal opinion, okay? Now, on to some of the bigger things. Looking around the internet, there's a few things that I think are worth mentioning. It's not to say that there's anything particularly wrong or bad about the Xterra. Every vehicle has some sort of issue that tends to crop up over time. And in this particular case, with this VQ series motor, there is an issue with the secondary timing chain guides. They can wear out over time and will need to be replaced. And the motor's going to have kind of a distinctive whine to it when idling or accelerating. Now, anything to do with your timing of the engine is critical, of course. But I recommend that you get a pre-purchase inspection and do it with a Nissan specialist, somebody who really knows Xterra's, so they know what they're looking for. And speaking of that, here's the big one that I need to tell you about. So the early second-generation Nissan Xterra's, you know, the 2005 through 2010, there's this problem called the strawberry milkshake of death. So what it is is this. The transmission cooler on the car is located inside the radiator. And it uses coolant from the motor to moderate the temperature of the transmission fluid. 
The transmission fluid flows through a little radiator that's in the side of the engine radiator in the front of the car. And what can happen over time is cracks develop in the fittings or in the radiator that allow coolant to mix with the transmission fluid and vice versa. That's not a good thing. You don't want transmission fluid in your coolant because it can have an impact on things like O-rings and other rubber parts inside the engine. And you don't want coolant, obviously, in your transmission fluid because that can ruin your transmission. Now, if caught early enough, it can be, I think, remedied through some coolant flush and a transmission flush. If it's Again, if it's caught early enough. But if it's not, it can be a really expensive repair. You might have to replace the transmission. So... You know, you want to watch for that. Again, this really gets back to the whole idea of having a pre-purchase inspection. But this problem seems to be less of an issue or even not an issue at all in the 2011 and later vehicles. So, you know, maybe you should focus on that if you're looking for a second-gen Xterra. Now, I don't want to scare you away with any of this stuff. I just want to make you aware of it. I'll post a link to a video that I found online or a couple of videos I found online that sort of outline what the problem is. Again, I wouldn't freak out about it, but you know, just be aware of it. Okay. So let's say you decide that you are going to get a Nissan Xterra. After listening to this podcast, you're like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to put one on my list or it's at the top of my list. So how much would you expect to pay for one? Well, again, prices are kind of crazy right now, but I would say this, you will likely pay below $10,000 for one of the 2005 through 2009 model year Xterras. Again, I would get a pre-purchase inspection to make sure that that vehicle is in good shape. Now, if you want to move up to one of the 2011 through 2015 model cars, I would expect to pay between $10,000 to $12,000 for a good example. This is, you know, private party, that sort of thing. Now, I would expect to pay more, say, in the $12,000 to $15,000 range as you move up closer to that final couple of years, the 2014-2015 model year. And especially for examples where they have lower mileage or they have a higher feature set like the Pro 4X model. That's the one that I would recommend. Now, dealers are going to charge more, in some cases a lot more. But I got to say, you know, why pay the extra freight? And, you know, honestly, I'm talking to, I'm talking to you, Carvana. Why pay extra to have a used car delivered to you from a car vending machine? Hello? Now, after the silly Instagram moment wears off, you're really just paying more money to get your car delivered to you in that fashion. So unless you're a moron or you have an endless supply of money and don't care what you spend, then I would skip that and just go seek out a private party or a reasonably priced car from a dealership. They are out there. Again, dealers are going to be more expensive, but I've found, at least anecdotally, I haven't done a study But the cars at Carvana tend to be really a lot more expensive. Two, three, even $4,000 more expensive. Just for the pleasure of doing the car vending machine. If you want to use a vending machine, stop at any gas station, put a couple bucks in the vending machine, and get a candy bar. It'll feel about the same, and then you can go buy your Xterra from a private party on Craigslist. And save thousands. You're welcome. So, if you're the type of person who spends more time in the mountains than at the mall, if you're the type of person who enjoys camping, hiking, exploring all the amazing landscapes and vistas America has to offer, especially those places beyond where the pavement ends, 
then the second-generation Nissan Xterra is your type of SUV. It's a capable and ruggedly attractive body-on-frame 4x4 that doesn't pretend to be a luxury car. Yet, it can take you to the store and to work in relative comfort with all the amenities you need, but none of the extras you don't. Personally, I think it's just about the perfect SUV for all of life's adventures. And if that appeals to you, I think you might want to check one out if you're shopping for a used sport utility vehicle. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode. And I also want to give another thankful shout out to my neighbors who I mentioned earlier helped me clean up the mess after that fir tree fell on our cars earlier this week. It's part of the reason this podcast is getting out so late. Now, in spite of all the divisiveness in the world, it's just nice to know that people will come together to help a neighbor in need. I am grateful. I'm also grateful to you for listening. And if you like what you've heard today, please subscribe and follow this podcast so I can continue to bring you more used vehicle recommendations each week. And until next time, I'm Gary Crenshaw. This is Better Than New. And I'm really glad you came along for the ride.